with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, When you pray, say, Father, Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone in debt to us. And do not subject us to the final test. And he said to them, Suppose one of you had a friend to whom he goes to at midnight and says, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread, for a friend of mine has arrived at my house from a journey, and I have nothing to offer him. And he says in reply from within, Do not bother me. The door has already been locked. And my children and I are already in bed. I cannot give up to give you anything. I tell you, if he does not give up to give the visitor loaves because of their friendship, he will get up to give him whatever he needs because of his persistence. And I tell you, ask and you will receive. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And everyone who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. What father among you would hand his son a snake when he asked for a fish, or hand him a scorpion when he asks for an egg. If you then, who are wicked, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? The Gospel of the Lord. Generally speaking, if we are going to ask someone for something, there is the assumption, one degree or another, that that person will give us what we are asking for. Otherwise, we wouldn't bother to ask. We wouldn't want the embarrassment or the humiliation of being rejected. 
Many times in my life I've had to ask people for things. I'm sure you have too. We ask because we assume that we will receive. In capital campaigns, for instance, I've been through a number of them in my time, you ask because you trust in the generosity of the giver. Now, the answers may be anything, and I've heard them all, from, are you crazy, <laughs> to, of course I will. Or in the case of one man, naturally, otherwise I'll have to give it to the government. <laughs> but we trust in the generosity of the giver. That begins with God. We often find our Lord praying alone. He wants to be alone with the alone. He wants to be in silence. He wants to be with the Father, as only he could. And his disciples observe this, and they want to know how to pray. It's a good question to ask. How? So our Lord gives them the Our Father. In the Luke conversion, it's much shorter. But notice what he, what he gives to us. First of all, when we address the Father in that prayer, it's always Our Father. When our Lord was in the garden in the agony, he addressed the Father as My Father, Abba, Pater Me. We always address the Father in this prayer as Our Father. Because although we are alone, as an individual, we are always part of the church when we pray. Even when we are in complete isolation, and even when we only use the word I, we are still part of the body of Christ. We are always united to everyone else in our prayer. The Our Father in particular is like that. Our. When I pray alone, I'm still Our Father. He gives them that prayer, which sums up all prayer, really. We may say many prayers in our lives, but this prayer sums them all up. Everything we could possibly ask is summed up in the Our Father, although our Lord expects us to pray and to be very direct with him when we do. Uh, we need to pray for what we need. But notice the Our Father. It doesn't begin with asking for anything. It simply recognizes God as God, which is what all prayer must do, must always begin with an act of adoration. Father, we address him. We recognize who he is. Hallowed be thy name, and so on. Your kingdom come. All those things, and only later do we then begin to ask for what we need, when we have first recognized God as God. Notice that first reading. That's a beautiful reading. Um, I think very often we're rather careful with our prayers. But Abraham wasn't. God is going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And Abraham begins to barter with God. If there are 50 righteous people, all right, not for 50. 45? All right, 45. 30, 20, 10. And Abraham stopped. But there's no reason to think that God would have. But Abraham did, as we very often do as well. And we see also in this reading, in this gospel, the necessity for perseverance. I remember once saying to a young friend of mine when I was in high school, do you pray for the conversion of your father? He said, oh, I 
used to, but nothing ever happened, so I stopped. Uh, how often we are like that. Perseverance is an essential element in prayer if we are going to be able to understand what God wants to do. Part of the problem, though, is, too, that we see prayer as simply an expression of myself. It's got to be a lot more than that. Our Lord uses these examples today of the friend who goes to another friend and asks for a loaf of bread, and then uses the example of if uh, one of you, as a parent, would hand his son a snake when he asks for a fish, and so on and so on. There must be trust in God before we ever go to him in prayer. We see that constantly in the scriptures. And that trust uh, is going to be the basis for everything that we do, the trust. That God will do what God has promised to do. Now the problem here again is that we have forgotten what prayer is really supposed to be, its real context. I've mentioned this before. St. Augustine reminds us that when we pray, when we ask for anything, that what we are really doing is opening ourselves up to what God wants to give us. That's what prayer is all about. Prayer is supposed to open me up to what God wants to give me. And not necessarily to what I think I ought to have. And so we have that confidence that God will respond to our needs as God knows them and only God knows them. I mentioned, though, earlier on the necessity of silence. You know, the greatest of all prayers will be the prayer of silence. We've seen that many times in Scripture. Our Lord is often... The Lord is silent with the Father. But you know there's another silence, too. The greatest of all prayers that our Lord ever offered was the prayer of the cross. The cross is a very beautiful prayer. It's the ultimate prayer because it's the ultimate sacrifice. But notice, our Lord speaks seven times briefly from the cross, according to Scripture. Seven times. But all the rest of the time is silence. His whole offering is an offering of silence. And the Son is silent, and so is the Father. The Father is silent too. At his baptism he spoke. At the transfiguration he spoke. But in his suffering and death, there is silence. God is there. God is doing the greatest action he has ever done for us, but there is silence. And we will come to know God best in silence, too. It's been said by many people, and I think I may have said it too, that's something our world can't seem to bear, the reality of silence. We've been programmed not to even imagine having to live in isolation or silence. I've had people say to me, I simply can't be in silence. They're actually afraid of it that we will not come to know God until we have learned to come to know silence. Our Lord gives us that. Our Lord brings us that. And he will speak to us only in that. So again, as the scriptures say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Listening means silence. That's how God then is able to speak to us. So we come now to the greatest of all prayers, the Mass. 
And we say the Our Father, but notice in the Our Father where it's placed in the Mass. The fathers of the Church, all the great doctors of the Church, remind us that the Our Father is, before all other things, a Eucharistic prayer. It brings us to the Eucharist, because that's what we say. Give us each day our daily bread. We're not just asking for the things we need to get through the day. We're asking primarily for the relationship that is in the Eucharist. That is the bread, the, the bread of life, the bread that comes down from heaven. And so we say that prayer at that moment to open ourselves up to the presence of God. And one other thing, though, too. At the end of that prayer comes a petition that we will forgive those who sin against us, and we ask to be forgiven on that condition. You know, there are times, I mentioned this too, I think, in Benedictine monasteries when only the abbot will say the Our Father. And at the end, the rest of the community will say, uh, and deliver us from evil. The reason being, in fact, remember in the old days, the priest said and chanted the Our Father all by himself. The people, did, the people joined in at the end and deliver us from evil. But not everybody did. We do now, but it's a dangerous prayer to say. Because when we say it, when we are saying, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us, that's the condition, isn't it? I'm saying to God, Forgive me on the condition that I forgive. Otherwise, don't do it. I say we have to be people who are free from all hatred if we are going to say that prayer. And that's why we have the sign of peace. It isn't just a time to shake hands and be friendly. It's a sign, it's a symbol that I've come to this event, this sacrifice, to the Eucharist, with hatred for no one. That's what that sign means. So we go on now to enter into this great mystery, the great mystery of the Eucharist, the greatest of all prayers. And we come with a new realization of the Our Father. I would recommend to you sometime in your prayer, on your daily prayer, to use that prayer very slowly and reflectively. To say it word by word. And even perhaps take one day and meditate on one phrase. To begin to realize the power of that prayer in our lives. So, we now go up to the mountain as our Lord did trusting in God's love and trusting in God's mercy. We now enter in to the greatest of all moments, knowing that God will always give us the things that we are open to receiving. Let us pray. Almighty Father, we come before you as the people redeemed by the blood of your Son and trusting in your love and mercy. For the church throughout the world, that her members will always be visible signs of the presence of God, visible signs of the gospel in our world. We pray especially for the church suffering, the church in the Middle East, and the church in our own country. We pray to the Lord. Lord for all nations of the world, especially our own nation, for conversion, for all those running for public office, they will be people of wisdom and virtue. And for peace, we pray to the Lord. Lord 
for all those who are sick and suffering, for all those who bear the cross of Christ in any way, for those who suffer from spiritual or mental illness, that they will realize that they are united to Christ in that very prayer of suffering, for those who are greatly tempted, for those who have lost the faith, we pray to the Lord. For a greater respect for human life, we pray to the Lord. Lord For an increase in vocations to priesthood and the consecrated life, those young men and women who will radically respond to the gospel, for a greater reverence for the integrity of marriage and the single life, we pray to the Lord. For our bishop, priests, deacons, and seminarians, and for the American hierarchy, they will first of all be people of prayer, that they will be visible signs of the Eucharist in the midst of a darkened world. We pray to the Lord. Lord, For the souls of all the faithful departed, especially our relatives, friends, and benefactors, for all who have died on the battlefield, all victims of violence, terrorism, and natural disaster. For all those who have died recently in acts of violence, especially those who were killed in Munich, and for our policemen, eternal rest grant unto them, O Lord. May they rest in peace. May their souls and the souls of all the faithful departed. And for all of us, present here. We will have trust in God. We will be truly people of prayer. We will reflect the Eucharist that we receive. We pray to the Lord. Lord, We now join our prayers to those of the Mother of the Lord as we sing. (laughs) 